0: This is Ion on Health, delving into your overall well-being with Arab Health on Dubai I 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer and you are listening to Eye on Health here on Dubai i 103.8, brought to you by Arab Health and MedLab Middle East. This week we're talking about digital health and the impact it has not only on the healthcare industry, but patients too. Our first guest is Dr Ali Hashmi, the co-founder of Metabolic and Glucare. Great to have you with us. This is I on Health, brought to you by Arab Health and MedLab Middle East. I'm Helen Farmer. You're listening to Dubai i 103.8. We're talking digital health today from your wearable to your phone, to the way we navigate the world of healthcare. And first up today, in conversation with the co-founder of Metabolic and Glucar, Dr Ali Hashimi, who's going to be telling us a little bit about what's happening right here in Dubai. You don't need me to tell you, Ali. Diabetes is a hot topic here in the UAE right now. And I'm curious when we talk about the prevalence, just how serious this threat is to the population. What numbers are we talking?
1: Uh, It's not good. So, you know, I think most people know that it's a big problem. But I think most people also underappreciate how big of a problem it is. Diabetes is a silent killer. You don't know that you're on that unstoppable train towards metabolic dysfunction because it's not symptomatic. You break your leg, you're going to know I broke my leg. If your metabolic system is starting to become dysfunctional, right? that's a, that's a long journey. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It starts with small things. You know, your sleep starts to erode. You start to gain a little bit of weight. You start to overeat or snack a lot. And your glycemic control, it, it becomes uh, horrible. And you don't feel any symptom of that. It doesn't make you feel bad. By the time you feel bad, it's too late. Estimated range of incidence of diabetes in this region, 20 to 25%. Wow. Estimated range of prediabetes, also 20 to 25%. And then there's a whole layer of people who are either overweight or obese who are not yet captured in the prediabetes, diabetes /diabetes bucket. Mm -hmm. So you could reasonably say that half of the adult population in this part of the world is metabolically dysfunctional if not more.
0: So tell us a little bit about the gap that you identified and how you're looking to address that with glucose in particular.
1: You know one of the problems that I'd always been interested in was metabolic disease. My grandfather was a poorly controlled diabetic and he died of complications related to diabetes. As humans we are fatter and more diabetic than we've ever been in human history. It's not for lack of innovation is it? No not at all. Right? Not we've, at all. we've built better hospitals, we've invented better drugs, we have new tech, we've got, you know, different ways to intervene. Got
0: communication, got more data than ever before.
1: And, you know, I had a a lot of time to think. And that thought process was, well, you know, we're thinking about the problem the wrong way. Everyone's been tackling metabolic disease as a disease of genetic predisposition or a disease of, oh, we just haven't, you know, found the right mix of drugs. Our realization was, it is partly those things but it's actually mostly behavior. Mm -hmm. If if you're told, hey, you know what, it's your behavior that's causing all your problems, but that's not followed by here's a support system that we can give you to Mm -hmm. help you change
0: that behavior in a way that is sustainable for you and your lifestyle. Because I think for so many people it feels like an insurmountable task. Absolutely, and they just give up. So what you're saying is by providing people with this information, that becomes the fork in the road. And what, we, what you want to do is take people along the road of support and empowerment and yeah. information rather than, I think a lot of people will go to a doctor that perhaps they don't know particularly well. There isn't you know good history there. They might have go, gone for who, you know, all manner of symptoms and say, okay, you're pre-diabetic. And then they go, I <gasps> think we're going to give and you a few tablets
1: and then you're on your own. Correct. And then they're given zero support. Yeah. Every, almost every single one of our patients has that experience. But the volume of data that's coming now, and this has really happened in the last half decade, mm-hmm. where, you know, the devices that people wear, the what Apple Watch. What are you wearing? Watch, I, I have an Apple Watch Ultra that I wear, and I have a Fitbit that I wear, and I compare and contrast. And they, and they help us objectively track things, you know, like your sleep and your activity and, and other things. You know, if we're talking about behavioral change in the context of metabolic disease, let's say you are a highly motivated patient. And I'm not,
0: for the record. For the,
1: and I, <laughs> I wasn't too either. But, but let's say you, you're a highly motivated patient. You're suffering from, from weight gain. So, so that is visible, right? And, and the vanity aspect of it hits you before the health aspect of it mm-hmm. hits you. And then your spouse tells you, hey, you've been snoring a lot. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. That, that wasn't there last year. Your sleep has been suffering. You've got stress during the day. You're gaining weight. And you're smart enough as a patient to, you know, whether you Google it or not, you know that all of it's related. And that poor sleep leads to high stress hormones. High stress hormones leads to you snacking all day. Snacking all day leads to weight gain. Weight gain leads to apnea. Apnea leads to more stress hormone. Oh my gosh, I'm in this vicious cycle. And then you just balloon. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, that actually kind of happened to me. I didn't have the apnea piece of it, but I I had gained a lot of weight during COVID. You're an educated patient seeking self-help you go and you buy an Apple Watch or an Aura or whatever, and you track your sleep for three months and you, and you feel empowered by this data. So you go to your doctor in the next visit. And you say, hey, doc, I know you've been telling me I got to take care of myself and, you know, do the right thing and make the right choices. So I've been doing that. And I know how central sleep is to all of my dysfunction. Here's my sleep data. Can you help me make sense of it
0: and tell me what to do next? Mm-hmm. What's the doctor going to say? This isn't really my specialty. There's not much I can do with this data. I don't really know what you can tell. But we have this as women as well. We you know, going with perimenopausal symptoms, you know, hormones, and there's just not enough specialized doctors yeah. who have got that training to go, wow, okay, I can actually read this and I know what this means and I can put a plan together for you. Yeah. That is just... You, you that hit is the nail on
1: the head. The but there's actually three components to it. One is that they lack the knowledge. I didn't learn this in medical school. Sorry, yeah. I, I don't know how to make sense of that data. Two... I've got a waiting room full uh-huh. of 20 patients. I don't have time to do that, even if, I would, even if I knew how. But number three, and quite possibly the most important, is the incentives. Even if I knew how to do it and I had time to do it, I don't get paid. Mm-hmm. The insurance companies don't reimburse for this kind of important work. So it just doesn't happen. So what's been happening is that you have this explosion of new pieces of hardware, you know, the wearable devices, the, the continuous glucose monitors, all of this stuff that every man, every woman has access to and is starting to generate tons of personal health data. But it just goes into the cloud. And it goes in a bunch of different silos. It's not interacted. So what we've done and what we spent the last four years doing is actually building a data infrastructure that captures all of that data and puts it into the patient's medical record. I think we're the first clinic in the world to do that. Our clinical team has access to that data, but that data is synthesized and distilled for them so that our doctors and nurses are empowered to give you insights that you can use. And mm-hmm. the best story that I have to like articulate this is, you know, our medical director was interviewing a new physician with me. And uh, at the end of the interview, he you know looks at, at, at this candidate and says, look, um, doc, you should know that if you accept the job offer and you join GluCare, you'll never leave. <laughs> You know, it sounded a little sinister. A little like a threat. Yeah. And, and she said, you know, uh, that's a pretty bold statement. Why, why would you say, what makes you so confident? Why would you say that? And he cracks a smile and he looks at her. He says, look, every day I show up to work, I feel like Superman. The insights that this data layer gives me bestows superhuman clinical abilities on me. And I'm able to affect more change in my patients' lives than I ever have as a professional. And that feeling is addictive
0: so tell us a little bit about what this looks like in practice Um, and i don't necessarily want you to give us a case study of someone existing in the client in the client database but if you could walk us through a journey for example and and let's use that example of the patient you mentioned earlier lots of stress newborn weight gain wants to understand that missing piece in order to get out of that that damaging pattern they come to you, how is it different to going to, I guess, a traditional clinic where they might have a family doctor they've probably seen a couple of times over the last few years, but not really a good relationship?
1: Great question. Um, So we've put a lot of thought into the patient journey, how to make that journey seamless, how to make it unburdensome, and then how to make it continuous so that you engage. And really the engagement piece is the most important. Um, So a patient will come in, you know, whether they come in because they're seeking help you know, and there's a pain point that they want to solve, or we might have ad- identified them in a screening. We're doing a lot of corporate screenings now, just going into companies and just testing them in their offices to see glycemic health uh, for their for their employees. So they come in. You know, we've built a facility that is entirely fully vertically integrated.
0: What does that mean? Which
1: means we've done a bunch of stuff that's not allowed. Okay. Um, so uh, it's a beautiful 10,000 square foot facility. We'd love to have you come in anytime. It looks more like, you know, a cross between an Apple store and an art gallery than a medical facility, and that's important because you want people to feel healthy when they come in. Um, But most importantly, we started thinking about the basics. Like, let's set the tech, hardcore tech stuff aside. We are a tech company at our core, but let's set that aside for a moment. There's some really basic stuff that you can do that people don't do. So we know that our patients Every time they come to see a doctor, they have to go get their lab test done first. That's the process of a diabetic. You got to go get your bloods. Then you wait a few days. Lab tests get sent to you. Then you have to send that to your doctor. And there's this whole mess of communication.
0: And it becomes admin. And that's what puts people off. Absolutely. anything Honestly, anything from admin, waiting times, phone calls, bad parking. It's optical, optical, optical. And it's it's a day
1: off work. It's a day of a babysitter that needs to get hired. It's practical inconvenience for our patients. And so we solve that by spending almost a year lobbying the government here to say, look, we know it's not allowed for a outpatient clinic to have a lab and a pharmacy on site. It's not allowed. And there's very good reasons why it's not allowed. But we said, well, we'd love to have an exception. And here's why. We want to streamline the experience and so on, and and you know, the Dubai Health Authority was very supportive and very cooperative, and they understood what we were saying, and and they gave us that exception.
0: So tell us then how that translates to the patient journey and so to walk, moving
1: those pain points. You walk in, you register very quickly. We check your insurance coverage, and we have almost all the insurance companies covered now. Immediately, you go, and it's a very private journey. You know, um, you know, we don't run around yelling patients' names like you've <laughs> you, like you've surely experienced in <laughs> ERs in in Dubai, you know. And you know your bloods are drawn, bloods immediately go to the lab. We don't, we don't wait to batch them and so on and so forth. We, it costs us more to do that, but we immediately send it down to the basement. Your lab tests are done in 30 to 40 minutes, not three to four days. And by the time you go up to our coffee shop to break your fast, because usually you'd come in fasting, right? You're going to do a fasting blood sugar. And by the time you're done with your coffee and your snack, the doctor's ready to see you and your data has already been uploaded into the cloud from the lab. Then after seeing the endocrinologist or the diabetologist, the patient will then go and see a huge care team behind it. uh, You have a diabetes educator if that person is diabetic. You have a nutritionist, a dietitian, and a health coach. So the entire visit at Glucare is a two-hour experience, but it's one visit. It's one stop. Mm -hmm. Everything gets done. But we have AI-powered fundoscopes, which is the equipment that looks at your retina, you know, a common complication of diabetes mm-hmm. is, is blindness. So you want to screen for that? There's no doctor. It's a machine with an AI. And within 10 seconds, it tells us whether there's a problem or not. We do all of this and we accomplish all this while reducing their medication load.
0: How are you doing that then?
1: Behavior, engagement, that's it. We, we split our patients into two populations. They're all glue care patients. They see the same doctors. They take the same drugs. It's the same protocol. Everything's the same, except that the opt-in patients, we engage them when they're not in the clinic Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. The results are remarkable. The opt-out patients, zero improvement over three months. The opt-in patients, 2.4% reduction in A1C in 90 days. Shocking.
0: That's so, so fascinating to think about the the different psychologies around it as well, because you've got the idea of support, you've got the idea of accountability as well. Um, and talk us then about after that initial visit, and it's going to vary, of course, hugely yeah. on what condition we're dealing with, what kind of goals they have in mind. But how does that relationship continue, generally speaking, Ali?
1: So once the patient's gone through all the various healthcare professionals that are at the clinic, at the end, they see their health coach. The health coach downloads our app for them, gives them the devices that they need whether it's the continuous glucose monitor which is A,
0: a lot of, I've seen a lot of a lot of people that I work out with are wearing it. Like, they are. my spin instructor had one on the back of his arm yeah, yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's
1: becoming a lot more popular. I mean there's a How lot How do you feel about it? I feel great about it. I think I think everyone should experience the power that comes with knowledge. Seeing that data. Yeah, I mean there are colleagues in the in the medical community that will disagree with me because it's not indicated. CGMs today are indicated for insulin dependent diabetics. Mm-hmm. But as medical professionals who are licensed and regulated, you have the freedom to use things off-label.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: CGMs are one of those things that I think I think everyone should experience that data and and test and ex- and you know explore. So, see, a big, see how
0: your body reacts absolutely, and responds. A, a
1: big part of what we do and the function that we serve with our patients is we help guide them on this curated journey through their own data. Everyone is different, and so. There is no single protocol like the magic sauce of glucare of how we or zone right which is our new medicated weight loss program. There's no single path. What it is is a platform that helps you discover the path that's right for you, that's sustainable for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The problem with weight loss, the problem with diabetes management is that people
0: never stick to yeah, the plan. And there's also a All this kind of or what worked for you, tell me how you did it.
1: Let me use that. Well, no, No, because you're a different person. Exactly. You
0: can't replicate and there's no
1: shortcuts often. Even you today is different from you tomorrow and you next week. So what works for you for today might not work for you next week. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that patient who comes in will then be hooked up and they leave the clinic physically, but they haven't left us because the moment they walk out, they're streaming data into the cloud. And our team can see it and can track it, and can use that as a platform to engage.
0: They'd be like, Helen, step away from the dessert trolley. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Helen, you've only done 300 steps today. (laughs)
1: Yeah, we we try not to be too sort of dystopianly, you know, big brother about it. Yeah, (laughs) But, but, you know, a a big part of it is the patient just knowing that someone's there. Mm -hmm. Someone's there to keep them accountable.
0: It is, of course, the beginning of the year. A lot of people have... If not resolutions, then definitely intentions. And I believe around 52% of us who set those resolutions, they're definitely related to health, exercise, eating less, moving more, being more healthy, whatever that means. Um, So are you able to explain how you're looking at helping people manage to get or to maintain a healthy weight with ZONE and how digital comes into play with that?
1: Sure. I mean, it started with my own experience. You You lost
0: 18 kilos, I lost
1: 18 kilos in four months. But more importantly... I mean, there's the vanity aspect. I feel good. I, I look better. But the, the core crux of it was that I had actually become pre diabetic. <laughs> What's interesting is that my wife and I became pre diabetic at the same time. Now, I was overweight. I weighed 90 kilos and my BMI was 29.2. 30 is objectively obese. Plus, my cholesterol had gone up. But I caught the moment that I crossed into pre diabetes because I did a fasting blood sugar and I could see that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So now imagine my wife and I had gone to a doctor or a nutritionist or or a trainer and we'd gone together as a couple and we would have said, ah, we're both pre-diabetic, what should we do next? That healthcare professional would have said, understandably, oh, interesting. Well, your husband and wife, it's COVID, you're under lockdown, you're living in the same house, you're eating the same foods, you're living the same life, basically. So you're probably pre-diabetic for the same reason, I'm gonna treat you the same. That would have been catastrophic for us because the re- the reasons were totally different
0: what were they if you don't mind sharing? so interesting
1: so my, my treatment protocol was different my my treatment protocol included diabetes drugs like Ozempic and mojaro so i i the recommendation of the clinical team was ali you should you're eligible and you should take these mm-hmm. drugs to change my wife was was thin she was not overweight but we first started with a cgm and i told my my team i said listen I want to put on a CGM, and then I'm going to misbehave.
0: Yeah, let's, let's yeah. see some spikes. <laughs>
1: exactly. So I spent a month and a half just doing all the things I knew I shouldn't do. Snickers bar, raw pineapple juice, you know, full sugar Coca-Cola, mountain of rice. I was just doing all these things. And just seeing the data and exploring my own data. And also I was trying to get a sense for, well, if I really get a poor night's sleep, how does that affect my glycemic spike and my reaction to food the next day? So there's mm-hmm. so much interesting insight that you can learn just through exploring that data. My wife, her blood sugar was spiking every morning. And we're like, oh, that's odd. And then so we have to look at what she's eating for breakfast. And what she was doing was eating all bran, the fiber cereal, with oat milk every morning for breakfast. That was her habit, thinking that that was you know, a nice, healthy way to start her and day. And on
0: paper, whether that was to do with marketing or perception, yeah, that's tick in the box.
1: Sounds Non-dairy, sounds good.
0: getting your fiber in, happy days. It
1: was crushing her blood sugar. It was spiking, and that was one of the primary causes for her, for her insulin insensitivity. Wow. We, we cut out, you know, she changed her breakfast. And, and over three months, she totally reversed her pre-diabetes, totally. In my case, my blood sugar was high all night, every night. It was just elevated, which meant that my insulin was high. And for the benefit of your listeners, when your insulin is high, that is triggering a bunch of things in your body, but one of those is you know, storage of, of fat. And I, that's one of the reasons I was gaining weight. So I had to look at what I was eating the night before, and you know I'm ethnically Iranian, so we love our rice and our kebab and and so on. And you know, every recommendation I've ever gotten in the past for weight loss was cut out carbs. You know, get rid of the white rice and the white bread and the sugar. And my response is, you know what? Take my right arm instead. I'd rather I'd rather give <laughs> up my is arm. This not who I am. Than, than give my up. family would abandon <laughs> exactly. me. Exactly. I'd get disavowed. <laughs> and what I discovered was composition matters. Right? If I eat if I eat just the rice my blood sugar is gonna spike, understandably. Mm-hmm. But if I eat the composition, the rice with the meat, which is fat and protein, and the vegetables, which is fiber, my blood sugar spike isn't as bad. But then one day, and this was almost two years ago now, randomly I was like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I just reversed the order and ate it backwards. So I ate the, the veg first, then I had the meat and the protein, and then I ate the carbs last. Same meal, same calories, same macros, same everything. The only difference was the order in which I ate it. And my blood sugar curve was better, which blew my mind.
0: Can now- you Try it again. Because it-
1: Blew my mind. So, you know, our understanding of nutrition and metabolic function is evolving and changing. There's so much that I still don't know. And I'm in it every day, you know. And so we're trying to take that knowledge as it evolves and, and you know, transfer it to, to our patients. So, so that journey that I had and that journey you know, different journey that my wife and I had is a perfect example of why the approach to helping people change their metabolic function has to be Mm ultra-personalized. Over a 12-month period, we have a 94% success rate in taking insulin-dependent diabetics off of insulin totally.
0: What are your thoughts? Not necessarily talking about Glucare in particular, um, but digital health and, I guess, the public's understanding and application of it. In the next, say, five to 10 years, because you say this last decade has been absolutely key. You know, we've seen the technical age dawn in, uh, yeah. in healthcare. It's going to be
1: so exciting. I mean, you know, our launch of ZONE is, is, is a case in point. This technology is, is already ubiquitous, but the access to the insights is going to become more pervasive. Everyone's going to be able to do this stuff. It's going to become better, faster, cheaper. You know, we've launched Zone now. Zone is a is purely for non-diabetics. Any one of your listeners can come in if they've if they've been struggling with weight and become a Zone patient and it, within a very short amount of time safely safely reduce a massive amount of weight and then learn the behavioral tools mm-hmm. that carry forward and keep that weight off. I've kept all that weight off over the last year and a half. And that is being democratized. So we've launched Zone now as a virtual care platform. It's a digital platform. Anyone can subscribe as long as we have the ability to do lab tests and prescribe drugs in their geography. So the power of this sort of distributed insight within the context of healthcare, of actual hardcore provision of care is going to become more and more powerful and more and more helpful and useful to patients. I also think what's gonna happen is that people are gonna start taking much more control, ownership and accountability, also from a cost basis, Mm -hmm. because obesity in this part of the world is still not considered a disease, and most insurance companies won't pay for the treatment.
0: Zali Hashmi, thank you so, so much. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Where can we find you, whether whether it's online or in real life?
1: Yeah, in real life, uh, our clinic in Dubai, come and see us. We've got a nice coffee shop. It's on al Wassel Road, um, just opposite the new Union Co-op, just before the the Iranian consulate, uh, so Jumeirah 1. But our website is uh, glucare.health and zone.health.
0: Dr. Ali Hashmi, thank you so, so much. Wishing you and everyone there a very healthy and happy 2023. Thank you. Same to you. Dr. Ali Hashmi there from GluCare. Up next, we're talking to Dr. Sanjid Silva, a physician VP of Clinical Engagement and Digital Health at Malafi. This is all about centralised patient records. What could that mean for that patient journey? We'll find out. More with Ion Health next on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Arab Health.